but it's, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, I don't know if, if people here have heard of Sports Academy. Uh, have, have you heard of Sports Academy? You can raise your hand. Yeah? We're that popular. Wow, we're doing something right. We're doing something right. Uh, yes, my name is Wayne McAfee. I, I have uh, a couple of my team here in the church. I don't know if you know Jordan. Jordan, stand up. Stand up, Jordan. She hits it. There's Jordan. Oh, there again. She's lovely. And Kaiser. Kaiser, stand up. Kaiser's only been coming to church a couple of times here. But so the, the one great thing about, about what we do, uh, and I, I spoke this morning, and the funny thing is everyone's coming over and they say, oh, it's wonderful what you do. Well done, well done. And the truth is when you enjoy it, when you enjoy what you do, it, it feels awkward taking praise because we have such a wonderful team uh, behind us, and, and the, the, they make it a joy, actually, to come into work each day. And, and when, you're, when you're sharing the gospel with children all day, every day, surely there's not much better than that. So what Sports Academy is, I'll, I'll start at the very beginning, and we'll just go through. It's not, what I'm, it's not necessarily the topic that I'm speaking about tonight, but because of the Strictly Come Dancing, the, the fundraiser that we do, which is happening next Friday night, we, we, we wanted to just share because, as I say, we, we really want to uh, honor the guys from this church that are doing it because it's such a blessing to us. Um, they've been putting in 12 weeks of hard work on the dance floor. And this year, actually, as I say, my wife and I, we, we get roped into it. We always need 10 couples, so we decided, every year we decide, if we only have nine, if we need couples, we'll step in. And this year, on the day that we were meant to start, there was only nine, so we said we'd do it. But then four days later, a couple came back to us, and they said, okay, we'll do it now. So, but we were a bit upset. We, we liked the idea of actually doing it. So we said, okay, let, we'll do it. And we're doing the dirty dancing lift. You know the dirty dancing, the last one, uh, where, where we dump a baby in the corner? You know it? Maybe you're a bit young for that, actually. I'm not sure. You know it. You know it. That's it. So... So, <laughs> so well, we're doing a big lift, so I'm pretty excited about that, to be honest. So it's a big deal. But anyway, we're, what Sports Academy, it started many years ago. Uh, I was at university in, in Newcastle-upon-Tyne uh, in England, and I met a beautiful girl. And she had just come back from a, a missions trip uh, over the summer holidays in Zimbabwe. She was working for Youth for Christ at the time. And now I met her and uh, spent a bit of time with her. And I was, a, I was a Christian, but not necessarily a strong one. And I'd just, I'd just come to faith, and I was pushing the door very often. I'm like, hey, hey, what about this? What about that? And any time I was around, maybe at her, her apartment or a flat, I could see pictures on the wall of these kids, you know, called August and Hope and Tuesday and things like this. And, and obviously, I'm serious. And, uh, and, I, and I'm like, really, she's like, Isn't, aren't these kids beautiful? And I'm like, yeah, they're kids. They're kids. Um, and I was still in that phase where I'm self-absorbed. I'm still in that phase where it's all about me, and I'm just glad I, I'm, I've found salvation. But she doesn't really dig me that much. And I'm thinking, why not? Why not? And she, she turned to me one day, and she said, because you're not strong enough. And I said, look at me. I work out. And she said, no, you're not a strong enough Christian. You don't love the Lord enough. You're not strong enough for me. So... Fast forward a year, and I had the opportunity to go to South Africa on a sports missions outreach team, much like the stuff that you guys are doing in Botswana and Sri Lanka and so on, and Mozambique. Got the opportunity to go to South Africa. Now, I mentioned it in, this, in the service this morning, and there was actually people that went to that church. So it was the Midlands Christian Center in Escort in Natal. No one? 
Okay, just the early one. So we went there, and I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with the place. Fell in love, not, not necessarily the place, but, but the people. I fell in love with the children. Like it was, we, we would go and just play, play soccer on, uh, in Mombezi Township, and they say it was incredible. Like thousands and thousands of kids would turn up and say it was just the most wonderful time for me. So obviously, I'm using this as leverage with this girl. I mean, you've got to do what you've got to do. So I'm like, I'm over there. I'm, help, I'm helping these poor kids. How good am I? And, I? and it worked. It worked. It worked. She's now my wife. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So, so we would come out in short-term mission every now and again. Every, every, every year, uh, we'd come out for two weeks at a time. And the organization had moved, that we first started working with moved to George. I think they just liked George more than anywhere else in South Africa. And so we would start coming here, and, and they said, listen, what, we, what you guys do is great. Would you consider coming here and doing it full-time? Now, I mentioned this in the morning. We, talk, we talked about the, the Lord, the, that scripture talks about the Lord giving us the desires of our hearts. Now, people think they're waiting to work, they're waiting to get that desire, and then they'll ask God for it. But God created you. He already put that desire in your heart. It's already there. So when someone shows it to you, you recognize it. And you recognize it instantly. You're like, yes, Lord, that's the one. Now, we had just been married a year. I had a business in Ireland. But I remember, I'd like to say that I, I, I prayed about it. I'd like to say I fasted about it. I'd like to say that I went and, and, and came before the Lord and inquired. I didn't. I knew. And I walked the 50 meters to, to, her, to our room. And I said, Lord, if she says yes, I'm coming. So I walked in and I said, do you want to live here with me? And she said, yep. Done. And that happened in August 2007. January 10th, 2008, we'd sold everything and we were here ready to go. Done. And said so we arrived with two bags and now we're in our 12th year. I've still got my accent. <laughs> so there's some things you can't let go of. Right? But what, what we do is we use sport. We use what we have. We use what, we're, what we love, what we're talented at. We use that to build relationships with kids so that we can share Christ, so that we can share the gospel, so that we can see their lives changed in a way that they don't think is needed. They want change, but they want a different change. They don't realize that the change they need is Christ. So we do that. And for 10 years, we were, we were going after it. But then it wasn't enough. Really didn't feel like enough. And we stood one day in, in, in Ireland. We head back to Ireland every now and again with, with our sports teams. We take them over on tours. I remember standing there in a, in, a, in, a, in a place called Royal Belfast Academical Institution. And sitting in the canteen as the rain poured down outside. And these kids were sprinting across the quad trying to get to their different classes. And I remember saying, this is what we need. We need a school. We need to educate these kids. We need, we're building into them physically. We're building them into academic, or we're building into them spiritually, but we need to build them into academically. And we made the decision there, and then we're doing this. So in January, we started off with our first grade, grade 8. We selected 20 kids that are talented at sport, and we brought them into the school, and we're running. And we're on. And, say, and that's what the fundraiser is doing. The fundraiser is raising funds so that we can pay for the school. We can pay for uniforms, we can pay for books, we can pay for tables, chairs, the whole shebang, we're, we're going for it. 
And, but the thing, the big thing is, is it saving souls? Is it making a difference in the kids' lives? And I'm happy to say that this, this talk came after Friday because on Friday we baptized nine of the 20 kids that we have. Now, 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 nine of the 20 kids have, were prepared to stand in front of their peers and say, I want to change. I want to live my life for Christ. I want to move forward with him. I want to give my life to him. And say, well, we're so excited now. They say, that's just the, the first group. Say they, they, you could see that the others are impacted. We had to start an SU, and we, all the children are coming. Say we, the, I, the, the whole idea for us is that, again, that these guys would then lead the next year and the next year and the next year, and we would just continue to see young men and women discipled to, to lead and to, and to show God in this community in George. So we've got a, got a video here. This video was made preschool, but it, it does share a bit about what we do, it's some, just some of our boys uh, that we work with, so enjoy. Okay, so that's a bit about what we do uh, at Sports Academy, and that's what the, obviously the guys have been dancing for, so I'm sure next, next Sunday night uh, the pressure will be off, they can come, they can maybe can do the dance, do the dance for everyone here, come, come dressed, okay? Amen. Guys, I just, I just, um, uh, I want to speak a bit uh, about some of the things. I know you guys are working on Acts, Acts 1 verse 8, the, the idea of, of let's go, let's go and push um, for, for what it is that the, the Lord has called us to do. And, and just some of the things that that entails, how do we actually do that? How do we actually do that? So, I've, now I say I have stories, but I told a few this morning, and I can see there's a couple of faces that I know. So I want to try and tell. There's some I can't change, but I'll try and tell a couple of other ones. Now, who here, like a lot of school, who here still goes to school? Still goes to school. Okay. Now, when I was growing up, I went to an all-boys school. All-boys school. Now, there's a lot of testosterone in an all-boys school. Okay? A lot of testosterone in an all-boys school. Now, when you go when you're, when you're young, we, where I come from, the, the school, there's a lot of primary schools around, and then we, we have a test. And if you, get, if you pass that test, you get to go to the school. If you don't, you go to different schools. So people go to di- at different schools around us. But my school, a lot of guys come from different primary schools, which is great. Now, there was one, one boy in our school. There, there's, different, there's different groups. And we all know that in school, even the ones that don't go anymore. We know there's different groups. There's the jocks. Isn't there? There's the jocks. There's the guys that think they're big and tough and muscly. And then there's the creative thinkers. There's the academics. There's those guys. But then, the, then there's that bunch that don't really do anything. Don't they? Do they? they don't really do anything, but, they're, but you just know that they're bad. You just know that they're, they're annoying. They steal things, and they get into trouble at school, and they're smoking before everyone else is smoking. And they're, they're just annoying. They're the, that group. That group. And they think they're tough. But I'm... To be honest, I'm over with the jocks. And I'm looking at them thinking, I've eaten sandwiches bigger than these guys. <laughs> they don't look that tough. But they've got this reputation that they're really, really tough. <sighs> now, there was this one boy. His name was Andrew Balfour. His nickname was Balf. So Balf was minute. Not big at all. And as I say, I didn't think much of Balf. And me and him didn't have many dealings. But Balf was the leader of this, this group. Balf was the tough leader of this group. 
Now, we had in our group a scrum half. His name was Simon McFeely. He was very small also. But he had the biggest mouth that you could ever have imagined God could put on a person. He, this mouth could get him into trouble no matter where we would go. But he thought because he was a jock and everyone else was big, he would be fine. Until one day, Simon said something, McFeely said something about Balf. And now Balf wants to kill McFeely. Now, it's fine. I'm thinking, you'll be all right. But everyone's like, no, he won't. Balf's going to kill him. Balf's going to kill him. And you know what you're thinking. Everyone's seen a fight at school. You know what that's going to be like. The heart's going. The heart's going. And now people are like, is, is McFeely going to get beaten? They're like, yeah, they're, he's going to kill McFeely. Now McFeely's looking at it going, I'm going to get beat. I am dead. Because the one thing Balf had was a big brother. Now the big brother was big. He'd be very big. But Balf was going to take McFeely by himself. So everyone congregates down near the rugby pitches to see Balf and McFeely. You know what it's like. You're there and you're like, go, 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 go. So anyway, Balf's there and he's standing and McFeely, McFeely doesn't want to look scared, but he is terrified. He is terrified. And he's a good looking kid as well. He does well for himself with the ladies. He doesn't want this face hit. He doesn't want the face hit. He's like, can we do everything below the neck? So Balf comes for him. Balf comes in swinging. McFeely ducks out of the way and catches him with a left hook on the way through. Balf's nose bursts. Blood everywhere. And Balf changes very, very quick. Balf is like, and he looks at McFeely, and someone shouts out, Balf doesn't want it anymore. Take him! And McFeely pummeled Balf until someone had to, the jocks had to save him in the end. Balf didn't want it anymore. Balf was no longer the leader of that gang. In fact, in a one moment, in one punch, everything changed for Balf. No one really heard of Balf ever again. But the thing about Balf was, in Northern Ireland, no one really cared if you got beat. But if you didn't want it anymore, if you stood off, if you didn't want to have keep on going, Balf didn't want to keep going. Something had been revealed about Balf. He was scared. And he could never come back from that. If Balf even said to anybody else, the joke was always, I'm going to get McFeely. And he lived with that seven years until we left school. I don't know. If I saw him now, I'd still say. But this is the thing about it. He didn't want it anymore. There was, there was a shame that came with that. There's a shame. He wanted it, but then he didn't want it when it got tough. When there became an opposition, he didn't want it when, when someone actually stood. He didn't want it when he took a hit. Now I'm going to turn that back on you guys tonight. We say we want Acts 1 verse 8. We say we want to see lives changed in this town. We say we want to disciple. We say we want to be part of it. We say we want to glorify God. We say we want to represent them. But what about when you take one on the nose? 
What about when we have opposition? Do you want it then? Do you still want it when it's tough? Everybody wants to play, but when it gets tough, do you want it? So, I'm going to give you three things of how you go forward in Acts 1, verse 8. And I'm not speaking out of arrogance. I'm speaking out of experience. This is, this is the only way that I know how to do things. Number one, you've got to make a choice. Number two, you've got to want it. And number three, you've got to trust them. You've got to make a choice. You've got to want it. And you've got to trust them. It's as simple as that. Now, first question. As we embark on this thing, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not something that is exclusive to some people. You either have it or you don't. If you don't have it, you just ask for it, then you have it, and that's it, and you get going. You don't have to do a special ritual. You pray it in. Lord, I want it. Give it to me. Anoint you. You go. Done. Holy Spirit, our helper and guide. If you don't have him, you might as well forget about it. You will not be able to do the things that you want to do because it's in your strength. It's not in him. You will not be able to achieve it. Don't even start. Don't even start. Holy Spirit must be in it. If you don't have it, get it. Get it before you leave the building tonight. Second thing, I have a lot of people who come to me. We've been doing this for 12 years now, and back when we started, no one used to contact me. Now I'm being asked to speak at Shofar, stuff like that. (laughs) No one ever contacted me, but now when people see, that's actually quite good, that's going well. I have ideas, and they'll come and they'll say, yeah, you know, I've got this idea, but but I've got like loads of options. I've got four options. I could do this or I could do that or I could do the other thing. Rubbish. Complete fabrication. No one has four options for anything. You must understand that as well. If you're sitting here today and go, I've got four options. No, you don't. You do not have four options. You like to tell yourself you've got four options. You don't. You've got two options. You can do what God wants you to do. That's option one. Or the thing that's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. That's option two. That's your two options. And the reason that you don't take the option that he wants you to do is because it looks scary down this road. This road's going to take sacrifice. This road's going to take effort. This road doesn't come naturally to me. This road is going to be tough. I don't know if I want it. But over here, it's fine. It's quite good over here. I like it over here. And I could probably do this. Okay. All right. But those are your only two options. And I would hazard a guess as to say everybody in this room knows what option A is in their life tonight. You know what your thing is. You can ask people to give you a word. You can ask God to give you a sign. You can ask, but you know. If we're really honest with ourselves, we know. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you tell him, he prompts you, that's it, get on with it. That's it. You've got to make a choice. The choice is yours. No one else's responsibility lies with you. 
make the choice. Number two, we talked about it. You've got to want it. See, actions speak louder than words. Speak louder than words. I was talking about the, this morning how I used to play uh, sports as when we were younger. And if someone shouted out, he doesn't want it. Number four doesn't want it. He's scared. He doesn't want it. You had two options there again. One, you could believe what's being said and hide. Or you could put a hole in the next person that comes anywhere near you. You had to kill him. He needed to go off the field in some sort of stretcher for you to prove yourself. That's what he had to do. You've got to want it when it's difficult. I think of the men who took their, their lame friend to see Jesus and they couldn't get through the crowds. Well, we came, we tried, couldn't get there. Maybe another day, Jesus could be here again someday, hopefully, I don't know. Or they're like, you know what? It's tough. Let's pick him up and get on the roof. Get on the roof. Get on the roof. What are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. Let's get there and start ripping tiles off. Let's stomp a hole in that roof. Why? Because it's important. Because I want it. Open that roof up and get him to Jesus' feet. If we get him there, it'll be sorted. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said, Son, your sins are forgiven. You've got to want it. Turning up's not enough. You've got to go through. You see, easy is easy. And that's why it's called easy. Ideas are easy. Talk is easy. But fighting for it, facing opposition, pressing in, it's difficult. You see, in my experience, everyone has the potential in them to be a starter. Everyone has a potential to start. But not everyone can finish. Not everyone has it in here to finish. Can't do it. Because we don't really want it. If you really wanted it, you would get there. I also come across a lot of people who say, who say you know what, I've got this great idea and we're going to start it up, but then after a couple of months I'm going to leave it and we're just, someone else is going to run with it. I'm like, who's going to run with it? I don't know, someone, someone. It's not for me. But, you know, I, I've got this idea and we're going to do it. I'm like, if you are not prepared to go all the way for the rest of your days, then don't start. I'm not saying I'm going to be in George forever, but I'm prepared. If this is where he wants me, I'll go. If he says go somewhere else, I'll go. If he says do something else, I'll do it. But if he doesn't, I'll stand. Because this is what he's given me. You've got to be prepared to be a finisher. You've got to want it. Because at the end of the day, there's always a cost. That's this life. This life is a cost. Jesus proved it. He showed us. Our whole goal is to be like him. He walked up with a cross on his back. Sacrifice. Now, if all we're worried about is sacrificing a bit of time or losing a bit of money, it might be embarrassing that day when you stand before him. 
What's stopping us? What's the cost? To live a life of risk. Listen, I, I, I had a scripture. It was actually said this morning a couple of times. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, that's not exclusive to Irish people. It's all of us. Now, here's my thing. If you don't believe that, go to that page in your Bible and rip it out. Don't believe it, rip it out. I go to Patria. <laughs> I go to Patria, and I say, that was the one thing that our pastor there pushed me on. If you don't believe it, rip it out. If you're going to die for this, if you're going to live your life for this, then you've got to believe every word in it. can't believe half a book. How long I've got? can't believe half a book. If you don't believe it, rip it out. I can't wave this thing around and not believe every word in it. If it's not for you and you don't believe it, you don't believe that, I, I, that I'm powerful. If you don't believe that you're full of love and you're of a sound mind, if you don't believe that, that you can overcome fear, you can overcome timidity, if you don't believe that, then rip it out. But I'll tell you something that's true. It's 100% true. And you may not think you're there at the minute, but believe me, every step you take, every one that you step out, every one that you take in faith, it grows. And that boldness and that confidence because you've seen it done before. And you get to the point where you're like, you know what, Lord? I don't know where the end is. I think, I think we might be limitless here. I think we could keep going. I'm not happy with that. Let's go again. Let's do more. I want more. More, Lord, more. And he just keeps giving it. And then that's where we end in number three. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. I've got a couple of good stories, but I'll tell you one. There's a guy. There's a guy. He played rugby in Ulster. You, you definitely will know. I'm just going to say his name. I'm just going to say his name. Franco van der Merver. He used to play for the Lions. Do we know him? The second row. Nice guy. So anyway, nice guy, but no, 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 no. Hopefully Franco doesn't listen to the podcasts. Okay, Franco was in Belfast in Northern Ireland, and he's having breakfast with his wife, and one of the guys who's on our board in Northern Ireland sees him and does you know, that random act of kindness thing. He pays his bill, and he walks out. Doesn't speak to him. He walks out. Now, Franco at that time, just as they were walking out, getting their coats, asked for the bill, and they're like, that guy just paid it. So he bangs the window and says, hey, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. So he's like, no, no, don't worry. He says, come in, come in, let's have a chat. So he starts chatting to Franco. And Franco's like, oh, you know, tell me a bit about yourself. You know, that's one of the things, by the way, that, that people in South Africa are very, very poor at. Asking other people how they are. Do you ever notice that? Irish people, we never, now this is not, just throwing this in, just throwing this in. Irish people will always ask how someone else is because we don't want to, don't talk about me, which is bad on our part. But on the other side, we find that we ask someone, they'll answer the question, 
silence. You must be like, oh, and that was good, and how are you? Yeah? Because that's how we build friendships. That's how we build, build relationships. We ask the other person how they are, and they respond, and we build a relationship. But anyway, that's a different thing. So I was prepared for Franco not to say anything, but Franco was talking. And Franco was like, what do you do? And it's great. And Adam says, actually, I'm on a board, Sports Academy George in South Africa, blah, blah, blah. We're actually coming on a trip to Northern Ireland, or coming on a trip to Northern Ireland. Franco said, wonderful. I have a deal in South Africa with Mr. Price. Anything I give, they double it. Would your guys like tracksuits? Yes, we would like tracksuits. That's great. Thank you, Franco. Thank you, Jesus. What a meeting. Brilliant. I go into Mr. Price. We're fitting the boys out. Nice new tracksuits, looking sharp. A few sizes not right. They're ordering them in. No problem. We're leaving on the Friday. The woman phones me on the, uh, on the Monday. They're in. Come tomorrow morning to pick them up. I said, no problem. Send Franco a message. Franco, thank you for this, mate. Really appreciate it. Here's the price. Franco said, sorry, Mr. Price are not doing the deal anymore because I no longer play in South Africa. Okay, Franco. But I'll make the donation. I'll put it into your account right now. He said, that's a decent bloke, that Franco. That's a decent bloke, that Franco. Nice guy. Nice guy. So these taxes are coming to like 30,000 or something. Franco puts in 10. I'm 20,000 rand out on tracksuits I don't even want. <laughs> he told me to get them and we got them. The, what am I going to do with this? 20 grand. So me and my wife, we get up in the mornings. At that time, our children were small. Now our children are up before us. And we used to pray in the morning. We just pray and we trust him for things. And we, we, we have a list of things we were praying for. So we get up, and, I, and I'm awake for a long time. I'm like, what am I going to do with this 20 grand extra? We're, we're going on tour. I can't even afford like, to, to get these kids sandwiches on the way to the, the flight. What are we going to do? So we pray. Now, I I'm, promise you I'm not kidding you. We're praying at 6, 6.15 in the morning. 6.20, my phone beeps. 20,000 rand into our account. I promise you, this is a real story. 20,000 rand into our account. I'm like, Susan, you're not going to believe this. 20 grand. She's like, no. I said, I promise you, 20 grand. So I'm, I'm phoning, phoning other guys on our, on, our, on our team. I'm like, where did this 20 grand come from? He's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even awake. I was like, get awake. Find out where this 20 grand has just come from. So what happened was we had held a fundraiser six months prior, six months prior, and a guy who owns a, a, a filling station in town, said to his company, he said, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to donate here and I want you to double what, we, what I donate. And they said, no. It's a religious organization and we don't give to religious organizations. So the man still gave his and they wouldn't double it. He obviously gave 20 grand. The week before, this company contacted our friend and said, listen, we're sorry, we're going to deposit 20 grand into the account. They deposited that the week before 
and only when we prayed did it come in. Now, the only thing that I can work out is that maybe God knew that the problem might arise. Maybe he knew that we're going to need that. Maybe he knew Franco wasn't going to come through. I don't know. But God had the situation sorted the week before the problem even arose. He's like, I've got you. Don't even worry about it. You see, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He knows it in advance. He's already got it. He's already got it. Now, I mentioned this morning as well. If you had an idea, if you had a thing in your mind, and you're like, the only thing holding me back is this. Now, let's say it's money. Money is the only thing holding me back. And a millionaire walked in tonight, and they said to you, I like that. I'll back you. You would say, we're on, and you'd go. Next morning, you'd be up, and you'd be registering, and you'd be doing whatever it took with his money because you'd be like, this guy is going to give it to me. Am I correct? But we have the creator of heaven and earth, the one who knows it all, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the alpha and the omega, saying to you, I've got you. And we're still going, really? Everything? I don't know. Let's hold off. That's the thing to think about. We would put more trust in a millionaire human being than we would do in our God. See, the thing is, and I'm I'm well aware of this, God is saying, listen, go, enjoy yourself. I'll make it happen because nothing that I send out will return void. I will do it all for you and it will be a success. And we still say, Lord, could you make it easier? Make it easier for me. But he doesn't want it to be easy for you because he wants you to have faith. Because he wants you to need him. Now, if fear is the thing that keeps us back, which I'm sure it is for a lot of us, I want to go to one of the greatest films of all time, Braveheart. (laughs) Now, well, you see, the thing is, I'm McAfee, so I'm pretty sure that some of my family members would have fought alongside William Wallace at the Battle of Stirling Bridge in 1297. I'm sure the McAfee's played a prominent role that day. Probably won it for them in the end. But if you've watched it, if you've watched the film, it's the famous speech about dying in your beds. Do you know it? We all know it. Now, I've got a, I've got a Scottish accent, but it only lasts for about it, two lines of this. I can't get the other bits, so I'm just going to say it in my Irish accent, so it's just going to have to be good enough for you. I fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies 
that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Now, you can walk out of here tonight and just get on with the rest of your life. And you can choose option B. You'll probably still have your salvation. You'll probably still get on with it, and I'm sure you'll be fine. You'll be a nice human being. Well, don't doubt it. Or you can go out there and you can live the life that Christ created you to live. You can go out there and you can save souls. You can disciple. You can change a nation. You can take the devil on and punch him in the nose. Just like McFeely. Or we can regret it all. But honestly, the choice is yours. You've got to want it. You've got to want it bad enough. Other than that, it's easy. Guys, let us pray. Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for this congregation. I want to thank you for every, every life in here, Lord. I want to thank you for every, every soul in here. I want to thank you for the destiny that you've placed in every single one of them. Lord, I just ask for a blessing upon each and every soul. I want to ask for a, a blessing upon this church, Lord. I want to ask a blessing upon this leadership. Lord, I pray this church would be a place of change. I pray this church, Lord, would be the catalyst for great things in this city, Lord God. And I just pray now, Lord, that they would continue to seek first the kingdom. Lord, may they continue to seek you out, to seek your heart, Lord. But Lord, I pray that you would plant a boldness in this congregation. I pray, Lord, that they would move mountains in your name. I pray, Lord, that they would break through walls in your name. I pray, Lord, that they would go into communities. I pray they would go into other cities. I pray, Lord, that people would know Shofar George, Lord, for the boldness that they have because they follow you. Christ-centered, spreading power. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys.